Evolutionary Podcast Hardcore coming your way, episode 506. Steve and the mobster joining me. What's up, buddy? How you doing? This is one of those ones that's new and interesting to me, Steve. And we got some stuff that you and I are going to have a back and forth over in terms of discussing the reason why people would choose this over something else. Back to you. So, okay. So in this one, we're going to talk about IPA Moralin or IPA. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about the dosing, the cycles, benefits, and the side effects of it. So a lot of people have a lot of questions about these peptides. A lot of people out there, they want to learn about them. There's not much yeah. talk about these peptides. So that's why we're doing these podcasts. So IPA is considered one of the cleanest, most versatile, and safest GHRPs out there. GHRP stands for growth hormone releasing peptide. So IPA, it's somewhat like hex, hexarelin but it's cleaner. So it acts like GHRP6 or GHRP2 without the slopes, the sloppy side effects or elevated hunger issues. So that's going to be yeah. really, really good for a lot of people. And a lot of people will enjoy that because there's nothing more annoying than dealing with that. So it acts like a Garolin Mimetic, Mimetic, but unlike GHRP6, it's shown to be more stable in suppressing soma, tostatin, and stimulating GH release. So here's a summary of where IPA has other GHRPs beat. You get no spikes in cortisol or prolactin on lower dosages. You increase your lean body mass. You lower your body fat. You got anti-aging properties, faster recovery from your workouts. A lot of people need that. All right. Think about how much you're pounding your body every day. And the last one, which also goes into all of the above, improves sleep and improves mood. So a lot of people like using this a lot because of just that, (laughs) you know, just the fact that it makes you sleep so much better. You'll actually be need less sleep on it because you'll be sleeping harder. And when you sleep hard, which a lot of us can't do. Because of the stimulants that we take, because of noise, because of a loud neighbor, because you got a pet sleeping with you, you got a person sleeping with you. So you get interrupted a lot during the night. And this is going to help you sleep really, really hard. A lot of people love it for that reason. So, yeah, Mobster, chime in on some thoughts. I mean, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, Steve, you're looking, peptides in a way are becoming something that has really come on gangbusters in the last 10, 15 years. And like Psalms, as you and I are discussing in a pre-show, you're looking for the positives of, like insight, Psalms are selective. So why would we use a peptide? For the same reason we use a Psalm, we're looking for a specific response that gives us the positives, but is removing the negatives. At the same time, you're not getting all of the, the, the sort of full effect that you would on growth hormone on its own. Uh, but, you're look, but here we're looking for a particular effect. So, for example, Steve mentioned at the beginning there when he talked about GHRP2. I said, because we did a podcast on this recently, as Steve knows, if I was super underweight and was struggling with my appetite, GHRP2 would be a godsend because I want that appetite stimulus. Now, of course, here we are looking for almost the same uh, positive effects, but without that super hungry, I want to chew my arm off, I need more food, I need more food kind of vibe all the time. And there's a bunch of other stuff we'll get into, Steve. But again, it for me would be, 
I mean, look at the way that I look at any of these things and all anabolics, all uh, performance enhancing drugs is I we have the ability now, like never before, to have every single tool in the shed that we're ever going to need in a, in a way that bodybuilding, weightlifting, strongman, athletic enhancement have never had through history. We have more access to more drugs and more specific working drugs, psalms and some of the peptides here, than we've ever had, ever. And I know that because I've been around this game a very, very long time. Now, what we're looking for, like I said here, is we're looking for the positives. And we're going to get into the specifics of the group, good stuff as well as the bad stuff. Let me give you an example, Steve, here. So one of the comments in the article that we're going to attach to this podcast is that uh, as a negative for growth hormone, what some users find, specifically when you get above a certain dosage per day, Steve, as you know, is they suffer from carpal tunnel syndrome. And carpal tunnel is essentially growth of the sheaths, the cartilage around the other tendons, and the cartilage thickens up and it grabs hold of the tendons and it literally causes you pain. And what normally does for people who, for example, uh, type or, or, or like you and I using computers all day long, hitting the keyboard, and those tendons are going backwards and forwards through those sheaths. And because the sheaths are getting tighter, it gets painful. And that is literally carpal tunnel syndrome. And growth hormone can thicken up those sheaths with nothing else going on whatsoever. No, no, you're not, you're not getting repetitive stain training. You're just, you're just, so this particular one doesn't seem to have that effect. So that is an immense positive. It means you can take, you're getting growth hormone-like effects, but without a negative. And again, probably as, as we'll get into a lower dose. So that's the reason why we look at peptides. And that's the reason why, for example, as Steve says here, when he talks about cleaner, what does he mean? He means more of the positive, less of the negatives, but without necessary, necessity, uh, necessarily, Steve, getting all of the positives that I might, for example, get from growth hormone on its own. And again, you're looking, that, that's a tool for some people. I mean, I would argue, Steve, just you and I physically, that I probably produce uh, the growth hormone that allows for greater size, whereas uh, your skin's thinner than mine. So would you and I need the same dose of any drug? No. Are we looking to get the same effect from any drug? No. Would we use different peptides? Almost certainly. And something else, Steve, which is a positive, specifically for this one, which you and I discussed again in the pre-show, I was fascinated to see that it talks about a, a, a boost, a blip, if you like, uh, when used just before a workout, that it's gonna, you get the positive effects for around three hours. And something that I discussed with Steve, there's arguments in training as to which kind of training produces the biggest natural produce uh, boost of growth hormone. And it's the training that I do. High intensity, low volume, heavy weights. Uh, but again, a bodybuilder would be a little bit of less of a percentage of my one rep max, a bit, a bit more of a volume. So I'm looking at a very small increment, a boost in my growth hormone of about two hours. Now, if I use it from outside, whether it's growth hormone or a peptide, it's going to be larger than I would naturally produce and for a longer period of time. Here, we're looking at 50% over and above what I could potentially produce. And again, at a much higher dosage than my body would ever produce. So therefore, the positives are recovering from training. All the usual positives, uh, specifically for human growth hormone, with, with few or next to none of the negatives that I would get from just taking growth hormone state. Back to you. Okay, so uh, the nice thing about IPA is that you get a very large GH pulse. Yeah. And as Mobster has 
mentioned, you get the least amount of side effects for that pulse. So this is why guys will run an excess dosage. Now, the some guys are running it 1,200 micrograms a day. That's that's the maximum. But the nice thing is you could run it at that dose. I don't think those, that dose is necessary, but some no. guys do run that dose. But the good thing is if you do choose to run that dose for a day or two, you're not going to breach your desensitization levels. In fact, there's studies that show that a large saturation dose of IPA has no, almost no effect on your body's natural GH production. So in other words, you're, you're not just getting the IPA when you take the IPA, but you're also getting your own body's natural GH production. So it's adding to it. Isn't that cool? So it'd be like taking testosterone and instead of shutting your own body's testosterone levels down and replacing it with the testosterone you're taking, you add to yeah. the testosterone. So you're not wasting your body's ability to produce these hormones. So this is great because now you don't have to worry about your own GH levels getting suppressed. Yep. And that's a good thing. So very similar to GHR6, the way it increases the ghrelin and gastric motility and the way it selectively goes after the GH pulse. But here's the thing. And Mobster mentioned where the carpal tunnel shouldn't be an issue, but also hunger is virtually zero on IPA. Isn't that wonderful? Because when you run these GHRPs and even growth hormone, the hunger can get so freaking annoying yeah. because your ghrelin levels are going are going haywire. So can you imagine taking being able to get the benefits of HGH and IGF-1 and all this good stuff without annoying hunger? Be without having to wake up in the middle of the night in a sweat because you're so damn hungry. That's the advantage of IPA and why IPA might be the best one for those of you who are not concerned with eating a lot of food and you just want to, you know, you, you know, you don't want to have to buy more food and eat more food and have to deal with that problem. So you also don't have to worry about cortisol, cortisol, blood plasma levels being elevated. So IPA may be the most mild growth hormone releasing peptide out there, but at the same time, it's not weak. And it's also long lasting than others. And it's the most potent. So it's, it's pretty, pretty, it's a pretty interesting peptide. It's one that you should definitely research if you're interested in running these peptides for sure. So mobster, why don't you touch on that a little bit and maybe you could touch on how it works a little bit as well. So it is the thing that's fascinating for me guys is when it's, it's like one of those topics that athletes and would be uh, PD gurus have a great time discussing online is what's the strongest? You'll get young guys coming on. What's the most potent drug I can take? I want to put on 20 pounds yesterday and I want to be the strongest man that's ever lived and I want to do it in three months and all that kind of stuff, right? And for us, gurus, want to be advisors, whatever, we like to discuss these things because we're saying, right, what's going to get the best results from our clients? What's what's the best? You And people do that, whether it's cars, it doesn't matter what your hobby is. What's the best? What's the best? What's the best? So as an example, a peptide that we're going to be discussing soon it's herexylin, and that's generally agreed by those people that are in the know of this regards to this kind of stuff. 
that that would be arguably the strongest. Now, uh, IPO, by comparison, is considered the weakest. And yet, I, I, for me, straight away, I'm like, no, that, you're getting most of the positives, almost none of the negatives. You're not super hungry on it, unless, of course, that's the thing that you want, in which case you've got other options. To me, that makes it the best, in my particular preference, but my thinking. And again, this is probably because I tend towards lower dose, making sure your other ducks are in a row, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, getting all the positives, Steve, with almost none of the negatives, and arguably on paper in, in, a, in a laboratory, it's the weakest, and yet I'm getting all those positives and almost none of those negatives. Why, why would I use anything else? Why wouldn't I use this? So, yeah, I mean, that's the way this stuff's... It's, it, I'm no scientific guru when it comes to this particular stuff, Steve. So I'm, I'm going to read from the article here, guys. So I'm quoting what needs to be said, and then <laughs> I, I, if we need to, we can get into explaining what that kind of stuff. Right, so as Steve's talked about already, the hunger side's virtually zero, et cetera, et cetera. As a, one, one example, guys, of when you would take a growth hormone like product, whether it's a peptide or growth hormone itself, which of course is also a peptide, is with when the body produces it and where when we're going to want to use for it. For example, because you're not getting those hunger side effects, you can have it before bedtime, which would make it a definite, as Steve said earlier on, boost to your recovery. And when Steve talks about sleeping harder, he's talking about what the difference between deep sleep and, and, and the lighter sleep. And I think that's alpha and beta, if I'm right, Steve. I think one is the deep sleep, which is when your body's doing the greatest recovery, uh, the most uptake of uh, tissue repair, all that connective tissue stuff, all your skin repairs, that's taking place when you're asleep. So when your brain's most restful and so on and so forth. The other stuff is when you're more likely to dream and you're tossing and turning the bed and where you can wake up in the morning, haven't slept for eight hours and still feel tired. So when, this is one of those ones where you have eight hours, that's six hours of deep sleep versus, say, for example, what's normally the case through the night, Steve, I think it's about 50-50. 50% deep sleep, impulses through the night, and 50% shallow sleep. Any of these peptides, but specifically this one, is going to encourage a deeper sleep for longer, so more restful. And then again, it also means, for example, that users can dose higher and with greater frequency uh, without having your body respond and reacts against that. As an example, guys, it's always looking like uh, when we talk about a chemical response in the body, the harder you push the body, the more it bites you back. And so, for example, it would produce more cortisol. You might have issues for it with, for example, uh, in the case of human growth hormone, again, you can feel hypoglycemia. You can feel literally like your blood sugar has gone through the floor and kind of feel dizzy. And then you end up having to take food. But here we are talking about competition where you should be carb depleted, you should be on low fat. So you don't want something that's going to make you want to eat crap, make you want to eat carbs, make you want to have fat. So we want those, those things to happen in the body. How does it work, Steve? A selective pulse is said to stimulate the hypothalamus and pituitary gland to reduce growth hormone. This pulse can endure for approximately three hours after an injection, as I said earlier on. Once the growth hormone pulse is set, the cells go directly to the muscle to support development while staying clear of any possible bone or cartilage growth. In other words, guys, you recover from your training, the muscles, but you're not getting that carpal tunnel that I touched on earlier on. That would normally be the case with growth hormone. It affects all of the body system, so the muscle and the bone and the cartilage. And one of the things that Steve talked about in a pre-show with me was a, a reference article through one of our sponsors where there was zero or next to zero 
bone growth in the use of this particular peptide in a study. In other words, they didn't want the... I mean, again, this is, we've talked about the closed growth plates here, Steve. It's not going to suddenly make you taller if you're already at maximum height and you're, you're, you're not a teenager. Uh, but again, this is laboratory testing here, guys. They're looking specific. Can we give this to someone? And it's not going to have issues. And it would be very small amounts. But again, that might produce issues with regards to the joints. And we have occasionally seen this with bodybuilders where the elbow seems to stick out, the knee sticking out, ever so slightly pronounced uh, uh, eyebrows where very small areas have just sort of lit up momentarily, a little bit of bone growth. And again, that's causing problems in training because it can actually feel uncomfortable yeah. when you're doing three Let me read that. Yeah, let me read that study really quick and I'll let you continue. It says, yeah. this is the, in one experiment, it was a 15-day treatment where they tested a group with IPA, with the IPA. So the treatment group did not show a change in total IGF-1 levels, nor did the treatment group produce serum markers of bone development. For example, the number of cells in the wide portion of the tibia, which is the shin bone, did not change significantly. This is a good thing because it suggests muscle growth with less potential for deformity of bone or cartilage. So that's what the study uh, came out saying. So that's pretty cool stuff right there. What does that mean in practice? It means, I'll give you an example, guys. And again, any kind of training, specifically pre-contest training, any kind of hard training, you're looking to force your body into places it doesn't want to go. What it wants to do is sit on the sofa and eat chips and watch the TV. We want it to go to the gym and do crazy stuff and look like freaks. We want to look like gods. We want to look like Apollo. We want to look like Hercules. And that requires us to do crazy stuff. So crazy stuff fucks your joints up. Really, really hard training, whether it's strongman training or bodybuilding training, is stressful on the body. And we negate that with our wrist. We negate that with the nutrition. And we negate it to a greater degree with performance enhancing drugs. Now, specifically, what we don't want to do, and we've seen this with some, not all, but with some growth hormone users, as I said earlier on, you you would notice, you'll look at them, and you go, that guy's super lean, and then you just notice how much their elbows are sticking out, or they'll have more issues with their shoulders, or they're, they're really uncomfortable when they're squatting. Some of that is dry joints, like, for example, the side effect from Winstrol. Some of it is super low body fat levels, but some of it is also where... A very, very small effect on the growth hormone is just made ever so small, 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 tiny amounts of bone growth in those areas. They haven't suddenly shot up six inches, but their elbow is more pronounced, their knees more pronounced. And what does that mean? It just becomes even more uncomfortable training, especially when you're super depleted, especially when you're super lean. So in the lab, and specifically for medical reasons, they didn't want that to happen. And those are the reasons why these peptides are produced. So you'll get, for example, 90% of the positives of uh, growth hormone on itself, but 5% will be a specific response that the laboratory, the pharmaceutical company was looking to create. And then 5% in the case, of, you know, uh, as a negative and a positive in GHR2, for example, uh, that, that, that massive increment, increase in your hunger. As a negative, when you're super dying for competition, you don't suddenly want to be really, really hungry all the time, even more than you already are. As a positive, if you're super riding the right, if you find it really, really hard to, to eat, then that's suddenly a, a useful. In the case here, we, I, I, for me, Steve, this would be a much better pre-contest peptide than, say, GHRP2 for that reason. I don't want to feel even more hungry than I normally do, but I still want a positive. And like I said, the great positive for me would be that lack of carpal tunnel, which probably means I can run it at a higher dose and have less issues. As an example, the sweet spot, in my opinion, for growth hormone, 
is around two and a half IUs every day, five IUs every other day. It, it, once you run that longer and at a slightly higher dosage, you're more likely, to, especially in the long run, and go form and does seem to need to be run for a long time, that kind of side effect creeping in. And again, that's in combination with low body fat levels, diet, and hard, hard training, which is already going to be stressful. So as a great example, uh, my kind of training is incredibly stressful on your connective tissue, incredibly stressful on your uh, tendons, uh, to a lesser degree on the fascia around the membrane. And so this is why you'll see strength athletes tear bicep tendons. Uh, you'll see low body fat level uh, bodybuilders back in the day, especially get pec tendon tears. And this is why growth hormone is great at re, re, you know, recovery and uh, getting past those injuries. So again, for me, something that's going to stop me uh, as this morning, Steve, I was doing heavy dumbbell wrist curls. That's going to kind of stuff that if I had carpal tunnel syndrome, I'm going to really struggle with. So I could use this peptide. I'm not going to increase those tendons. I'm not going to have any uncomfortable. I could carry on smashing out the heavy dumbbells. So that's the sort of stuff we're looking at. I want to talk about side effects here. Like we said earlier on, guys, one of the mildest ones out there. And that, in my opinion, actually makes it great. So, for example, not affecting um, FSH, PRL, TSH, LH. What is this? This is all the stuff in our blood that we want, the good stuff. Uh, that's a very simple way of putting it. However, theoretically speaking, you could see an increase in cortisol or acetylcholine. Uh, this is what I said earlier on, guys, about the balance with the body's negatives and the positives. The more we push it in certain particular ways, chemically speaking, the more the body pushes back. So I think it should be dose-dependent for more. Steve, we talked about 1,200 micrograms. I suspect we might see it at that level. So you can run it as high as that. But again, as we'll talk about dosing momentarily, the sweeter spot would be lower. And therefore, you're less likely, in my opinion, to see the side effects. In practice, and again, I'm referencing the article here, guys. If it's the only peptide you're using, there's hardly any increase in cortisol and acetylcholine in the blood plasma levels. Uh, this is even true if the injections are higher compared to the effective dose for comparable growth hormone release. As I say again, all the positives, lesser the negatives, dose dependent, as always. You run it at lower levels, you're going to see less side effects. That's just the nature of the bits. That's true of all PEDs, Steve. Uh, what about side effects? This is something I was talking to Steve in a pre-show, and obviously a medical expert would know better than me, but one of the issues you're going to get, a common side effect is a head rush-like feeling and slight headaches. Now, on growth hormone, it's not unusual, and I think Steve can jump in here, for some of the members, I've seen it mentioned on the forum a few times here, Steve, to feel hypoglycemic. In other words, it's like they've got blo low blood sugar. And in a perverse way, that's a good sign that what you're taking is legit. But obviously, you feeling like dog shit for five minutes and needing, for example, filling the need for carbs is not a good thing when you're a competing bodybuilder or a competing strength athlete. You don't want to be suddenly putting carbs in if you're dieting for a competition. But equally, you don't want to feel dizzy. So it's it's kind of weird. I'm, I'm tempted to say here, and again, I would be quite happy to be corrected by listeners making comments. Um, the feeling of that head rush versus actually being called high blood glycemic is there a connection and i'm not enough of an expert to be able to turn around and say that you would get the sensation but without the low blood sugar in a perverse way again you know that it's the real deal because it's working but if you was actually to do a pinprick test and measure your blood sugar would it have dropped so that i'll be interested in finding out i mean i don't want to say here that it is or it isn't 
because I'd like to be able to be very positive when I'm making these kind of comments. But my guess is that you're getting that sensation without the low blood sugar. What do you think, Steve? I think the I think the solution here is to start at a lower dose and work your way up. That's the way yeah. I recommend to use it. So in this example, you know, 200 to 300 micrograms is going to be a dose, a single dose, and you're going to want to try it twice a day. And it's um, if you want to get some of the more advantages, the double benefit of bone growth hormones working together to maximize results, do it before your workout, about 45 minutes. Yeah. And then that would that would be uh, the way to use it. And then you can dose it a second time later in the day. Or if you work out later in the day, dose it earlier in the day and then dose it again. You can run it three times a day as well. <clears throat> and some guys will do, you know, four times a day. So you do 300 micrograms four times a day. It's an absolute max. So 1,200 micrograms a day. I wouldn't do I wouldn't do more than that. But start low. Start at 200 micrograms twice a day. See how you do on it. And then work your way up from there. That would be my advice. I want to jump back in here for one second here, Steve. Guys, this is one of those things with training. Training produces or increments uh, if you're growth hormone. And the kind of training that I do, especially so. So what Steve saying makes complete sense to me. That idea that I'm introducing it before the workout and then my workout itself creates a pulse from the, my natural production. And then the second time of day, which we've already touched on earlier on, is going to be before bed. Uh, especially because we're not having that hunger issue that I mentioned earlier on. And we're doing it before bed because, again, we're mimicking what the body does. We're mimicking that when we take it pre-workout and then get our own boost. And then we're mimicking when we take it before bed because it's increasing our ability to sleep well, deeper sleep earlier on, and because growth hormone helps with tissue repair and recovery, injury repair and recovery. So we're basically saying this is what the body's doing, but I'm going to boost what the body's doing, and I'm going to do it at exactly the right times. Do I need, for example, Steve, to sit on the sofa watching the TV and, and to inject this? No. Do I need to take it on, on non-training days? No, not really, not in the daytime, because I'm not doing anything that's making my body require it. But during a workout, I am. And before bed, I am, even on non-training days, because I'm looking to speed up my recovery. I'm looking to, to use that analogy and to use a phrase that Steve's, I want to sleep hard and I want to recover hard. So I can get back in the gym and do that crazy stuff. That's how some athletes seem to make better gains in the same period of time as other people, even with the same genetics, because they're going to bed properly, they're sleeping better, they're eating cleaner, they don't have off days when it comes to eating crap. They're, they're working on, they're actively working on their recovery, and that would include growth hormone uh, releasing peptides. That they work, they're doing stuff like that so that their recovery is better or as we said earlier on, harder. So, yeah, talk about um, specifically what we've discussed on previous uh, episodes of Peptide Steer, Steve, the fragility specifically. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. All peptides, growth hormone included, come in a powder-like form, which you then reconstitute in bacteriocytic water. We've got specific guides on that. It makes them incredibly delicate. The, 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 the way that all of the peptides are produced is, I believe, a long chain of amino acids. And if we shake it like an idiot, we're kind of damaging the peptide. If we leave it out in the sun, we're damaging the peptide. If we, if we let it get too cold and the, and the fluid freezes, we're damaging the peptide. So once it's reconstituted, it's incredibly fragile, and you should treat it as such. You swirl it, you don't shake it. 
you keep it in a refrigerator, you use it within a certain period of time, so you don't mix up a huge batch, you make up small batches, which is enough to four, five, six, maybe seven days, kept in the, kept in the fridge for those particular reasons. Nearly every single peptide, as best I don't think there's anyone that isn't, is uh, use an insulin needle to inject and typically just relieve the skin. Now, there is some argument here, Steve, I don't think it specifically applies to this peptide, but there's some argument about introducing it to the site of an injury. I don't think that's necessary, but uh, some people use that as personal preference and feel like they're getting something from it because it's right there next to where the injury is, and so it goes to work straight away. How much time was saving? Probably on the order of about 20 minutes. If you put it into your shoulder, it's still going to get to your bicep tendon in a very short period of time. So that's not necessary, but some users do that specifically for that particular reason. Uh, as Steve said already, dosing 20 to three, 200 to 300 micrograms. And again, guys, micrograms, not milligrams, but you'll understand that when you get it and see what the dosages are. Uh, what about cycle length here, Steve? Uh, growth hormone can be run for months at a time. I don't think you need to do that here. And in fact, the article refers to 12 weeks and it says here, PCT with very minimal. I think it's no need for a PCT, my opinion, at all. But it would depend on what else. Whenever we're discussing these things, Steve, as you know, we're not very, very, very rare for us to be talking about a single drug taken on its own. We're all, almost always talking about other drugs being used at the same time. So saying that you don't need to use a PCT for this is fine. But what else are you doing, guys? So keep that in mind. If you're running other uh, drugs, if you're running other performance enhancing drugs, or other peptides, and you're doing other things, or you've got specific issues like injuries, or you're training for competition, when you ask for us for advice on the forums or by putting comments here on the end of this podcast, make sure you include that information. Us answering this on its own is one thing, but how many of you are going to be using this on its own? So keep that in mind as the revenue you would need, for example, a PCT, and uh, and and for how long you're running it. Make sure you keep those things in mind. Um, Steve, again, I would prefer the athlete to be lower body fat rather than higher body fat, and that's just to get a better response, guys. Uh, and, and, and obviously, you know, your training needs to be a point. Your nutrition needs to be on point. You can't be a fat motherfucker sitting on a sofa doing nothing and just get the same results as a hard training, lean, uh, clean eating athlete. Keep that in mind, guys. Back to you, Steve. Yeah, so listen, at the end of the day with these, like Mouser said, be very fragile. I highly recommend as soon as you get the peptides in the mail, keep them in the fridge even before you mix them. And then after you mix them, obviously, don't leave them out on the counter for an hour. They're going to go bad. So if you some guys like to take it with them to the gym, if you want to take your peptides to the gym, keep a cooler, um, yeah. put some ice in there and keep the peptides in there. But it's if, if you know, that's only if necessary. And I've obviously used a slim pan to inject. That's perfectly fine. You don't have to inject it. It's not a spot injecting uh, with IPA. Usually you can just inject either in the shoulder or yeah. you can just inject in stomach fat and you're good to go. And, um, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, uh, you can you can use it whenever you want. You can use it for a few days and stop it for a week and then go back on it. You can use it for a week, then stop it for a week, then go back a week. It's not something, it's not a hormone. It's not a. It's not something where you have to kind of take where it builds up in your system. It's in and out of your body quick. So you can just take it. You can take one dose today. Tomorrow, take two doses. The day after, take three doses. The day after that, go back to two doses. I mean, it's it, you can you don't have to do it any specific way. You can kind of play around with it. A lot of guys like to stack CJC without DAC with it, um, and and they kind of work very well 
as part of a stack. And um, we'll have to definitely talk about CJC in the future. Uh, so keep an eye on a podcast for that. But so it's episode 506, IFA Moreland. Really, really good episode. Mobster, take us a disclaimer. As always, guys, training and nutrition on point. Make sure you're kicking ass in the gym. Uh, you have all these choices, and we're presenting these choices to you for your information. Make sure you do your research. So listen to what we're telling you. Double check on the information that we provide. Come and have a chat with us on the forums and get the most up-to-date stuff. Sometimes seeing it in black and white makes more sense than listening to us as we're talking to you right now. Please note, we are not doctors, and the opinions on these shows are hours and hours alone. It's our view, and it's based on our experience and views on the topic. Our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.